everything hopefully on PowerPoint and you can see what we're going to sing. We're just going to sing a few hymns together as of old did the guiding star behold. Remaining seated while we sing these opening hymns, please. from the Father above Jesus, the Saviour was born, marvellous gift of God's love. <clears throat> See the Lamb of God appears, promise from the eternal year.
Still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. We'll stand together and make this our opening hymn, and let's sing our very best, please.
Let's unite our hearts together in prayer and seek the Lord's face. Let's still ourselves in God's presence, earnestly desiring that we would be very conscious that he is here and that we're in the presence of the one who is our God and our creator. Let's all pray. Our gracious, loving and eternal Heavenly Father, in the worthy name of thy Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, we humbly bow in thy presence in the attitude of prayer. We thank thee for thy preserving hand upon us that has brought us yet again to the house of God on this the evening of thy day. We thank thee for every good and perfect gift that comes from thee. And we realise that we're dependent upon thee for the next breath that we will take. We realize that without thee we can do nothing. Therefore, our loving Father, with grateful hearts, we come to seek thee at the very commencement of this time that we'll spend in the house of God. We desire above all that thou wouldst be pleased to come and reveal thyself to every heart. We thank thee for the coming together of the people of God in this fashion on the evening of this thy day. We thank thee already for the privilege of being in the house of God. We thank thee for the ministry of thy word. We thank thee for the word that has gone forth to the boys and girls in the Sunday school and in the preaching of thy word in the morning time. And our loving Father, we desire that again thou wouldst come and be pleased, Lord, not merely that we will go through the form of a service, but, oh, that we will be conscious that God is here and that to bless us. Oh, how we long that the windows of heaven would be opened. How we long that thou wouldst come in mighty power and in every heart there be a stirring of the things of God. We realize that we stand before the God who is the sovereign God of all creation, the one who called these universes into being, the one who has commanded and the one who has controlled this earth since the day that it was brought into existence. Our loving Father, we thank thee that you loved this world so much that you gave your only Son. We can say tonight, greater love hath no man than this. We can say tonight that God so loved the world. We thank thee for the manifestation of the love of God to sinful, fallen men and the sending of thy Son, the one who is God with us, Emmanuel. We rejoice tonight that we can come to thank thee and praise thee for the sending forth of thy Son. And as we would give thee thanks tonight for Christ who came, we pray that thou will search every heart from every one that's in this service, from the youngest to the eldest, oh, that thou wouldst come tonight and may the word of God come with power and may it search every heart. And may there be this night and the proclamation of thy word and the singing of the hymns in the reading of thy word, and in the preaching and the proclamation of thy truth. We pray, Lord, that tonight hearts will be brought to realize, men and women will be brought to realize their need of Christ, and that this will be a night when families will be united. Oh, we long for our families to be united in Christ. We long for those who are our kith and kin, those who are of our own families, to be brought in and to be saved by the grace of God. Pray, our loving Father, that tonight families will be united, 
There will be those who have been long prayed for will be brought to a saving knowledge of thee and that will rejoice in the knowledge of sins forgiven. Remember every other faithful witness and herald of the cross. We pray that as thy word is proclaimed in this province and in this island and in these islands, that men and women this night will make their time and their eternity sure because they've come to trust thee as their Savior. So continue with us now, we pray in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we have different ones that are taking part, and so we're just going to get straight into the program that we have, and we're delighted to have the children of our Christian school, and they're going to come and sing to us now. We're delighted to have them and the parents and the teachers from the school, and we'll just ask the boys and girls from the school now to come and to minister to us in song, please. And then after they have sang, Toby Macaulay's going to come and he'll read to us Matthew chapter 1. So Toby, if you just be ready to come straight up after the boys and girls sing, please. Thank you.
Tonight's reading is found in Matthew chapter 1. And we'll begin our reading at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much, Toby, for reading God's Word, and let my give my own welcome to the school children and congratulate them for singing so well tonight. Trust that the Lord will make that a real blessing to you that are here. I want to bid you welcome to this special service tonight in the Saviour's name. And if you're joining us online, and there's always as many online as there are who come to join us in the building, we welcome you uh, very especially. Supper will be served after this meeting in the fellowship area. And if you can stay, you're very welcome for refreshments tonight. Thank you to the ladies who have provided these things. <clears throat> Monday night, tomorrow night, Carol's singing around the, the shut-ins is at seven. And it's been a wee while since we've done the carol singing here and there. And then back to the manse for refreshments. And just so we can have an idea of how many might be going tomorrow night, can you let us know? If you let Susan know or myself, we'd appreciate that. Thursday, the midweek service at eight o'clock. Saturday morning in the centre of the town, the open air. It's the Christmas one. And we want as many to come and join with us. It's the carol singing and the preaching of the word. That's at 11. Next Lord's Day begins with the early season of prayer at 8 o'clock. I will leave early because I'll be preaching in Uganda by the internet at Emmanuel Mission Station. Sunday school, 10.30. Bible class, quarter to 11. And our worship service, 12 noon. In the afternoon, we go to two other <coughs> venues, Knock and Lodge at three, and then coming back into the town to the Covenanters Flats at 3.45 p.m. Next Sunday night is the annual Christmas carol service at seven o'clock. Members of the church again will be taking part. We'll have both choirs, the Hebron Choir and also the Youth Choir taking part next Sunday night and the following Sunday night as well. Supper will also be served and the ladies are asked to do the usual 
and bring the eatables. We thank you sincerely for your tithes and offerings to the work of God. Today is building fund and next week is the missionary council and the school covenant support. Anyone interested in community membership, please see us as soon as possible. We hope to receive new members in, in January. Now, we announced this morning we wanted to do a special project and uh, we appealed for, for help. And we're glad to say that just here at the front, there were over 30 people volunteered, really encouraged by that. But what we want to do is to provide for two Wednesdays from 11 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock, a warm space in these very difficult days in which we're living. And we will provide food and friendship here at the church as people struggle, so many of them. There'll be soup, rolls, tea, coffee and biscuits, particularly for the poor, needy, vulnerable and the lonely. And we need you to advertise this. Get it out. We don't have a database uh, that we can call upon and get this information out. So we are relying upon you and those that you know that can make this known. And we have some invitations um, available. We did this very quickly this evening before we come over. And if you want to take that and give it out to, to a friend or somebody that you feel could benefit, please do that. Just going back to this, uh, transport will be provided for anyone who needs a lift. All they need to do is to ring us. And my phone number is on the sheet we provided that. I want you to put your name on this rota. Uh, so many of you indicated you can help. Some can help for the whole day. Some can help for part of the day. And so what we've done, we've got Wednesday the 14th, Wednesday the 21st, and just a section there from 11 till 12, and uh, they are sectioned off hour by hour. You might be able to come in for an hour. You might be able to come in for four hours. But just put your name into the box where you're able to help out, and then we'll know that there are people covering that particular time. We really appreciate that. It was lovely to have our carol singers back in some of these homes today, and I just took a few shots of this. I want to thank those that were able to come and to, to join with us for the singing. It was a real encouragement to the seniors that we sang to today. We know that, and we even had Martha Joy, I think that's her first carol service, going out uh, to sing in the community. And uh, we, we want to encourage you to join us next week as well. These are all the announcements. All be subject to the will of God. I'm going to hand back to Barbara. Thank you. Mr. Park, can I just make one additional announcement? I meant to send it to Mr. Park, uh, but just didn't get around to it. The 7th of January, uh, Lord willing, we're going to have a big breakfast for the Christian school, as we did last year in the Carson Complex. So if you have enjoyed your turkey and all of that and you're looking for a good big fry well and by that time uh, the diet will be over it starts on the first of january and probably ends on the second so you're looking forward for a fry so 8 30 on the 7th of january and we trust that you'll come and support as you've done in the past uh, kindly uh, the work of the, the, the school i'm going to ask our sister uh, rebecca park to come and to minister to us in song. And then after Rebecca uh, sings to us, uh, Naomi Johnston is going to come and read to us God's word. Thank you.
reading tonight is found in John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, and 10 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the light was the life of men. And in the light shineth the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own receiveth him not. But as many received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name, which were born, nor of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. for reading to us the word of God, those lovely words in John's Gospel chapter 1, and it reveals to us the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who's full of grace and truth. What a lovely description of the Saviour. We're going to sing together the hymn number 84, Jesus my Saviour to Bethlehem came, born in a manger to sorrow and shame. Oh, it was wonderful, blessed be his name. Here's the reason why he came, seeking for you and me. You just think of the wonder of the love of God in sending his son. And the purpose for it was seeking for you and for me. Let's think about, about these words as we stand together to sing to us. <laughs> Thank you. 
you to all of you who have taken part tonight. I'm going to read the scriptures as we find the word of God tonight in 1 Timothy, chapter 1, and just a short reading from verse 12 through to verse 17. 1 Timothy in the chapter 1 and verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the keen, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And we'll end the reading there at verse 17. Let's have a wee word of prayer. Almighty God and gracious Father, we thank thee for this service tonight, for all who have taken part from the children through to young people. Thank thee for the singing of the, the songs tonight as well. We've been blessed in our souls. We've listened to these messages already about the coming of our dear Savior into the world, and our hearts have been stirred, and we've been blessed. We thank you for that very moment when Jesus Christ came to this earth, when he left the ivory palaces of glory and condescended to the womb of the Virgin Mary. We thank thee that in the fullness of time he was born, he was brought forth into this world, And the arrival of Christ brought great joy because he came to bring peace to this earth, peace through the blood of the cross. Lord, settle our minds and our hearts down just for these final minutes tonight in the meeting. Speak to us from your word. Your word is a very powerful word. We look to the Lord tonight to apply it by the Spirit of God to every every individual that's here and to give help to this preacher to bring the message that God has laid upon his heart. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. My text tonight, and I'm sure you've guessed what it is, is verse 15, where the apostle writing to young Timothy says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And particularly, we will focus, home in upon that last little line where Paul, by way of testimony, he says, of whom I am chief. And I want very simply tonight to to speak on the chief of sinners. This is one of the the great texts of the Bible, full of depth and, and wonder. On one hand, it is most profound. And yet on the other hand, it is most simple. Paul says this is a faithful saying. That means it's reliable. It's trustworthy. It's dependable. 
And he says it's worthy of all acceptation. And that just simply means it deserves to be accepted and received. And then he makes this most remarkable statement in the text. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. There's a great progression in this text, constantly building upon one thought or one thought upon another. Christ Jesus, that's the person, came into the world, that's the place. To save, that's the purpose. Sinners, and that's the people. And where Paul now says, of whom I am chief, that's the power. These words were spoken by the great apostle Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus, who had Damascus Road experience. There he was traveling on that road with his friends, going to the city of Damascus with one purpose in view. And that was to find as many Christians as he could, apprehend them, arrest them, put them into prison, and for many of them, put them to death. But there on the Damascus road, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Christ stepped into his life. And Saul of Tarsus got gloriously converted that day, and he became the great apostle Paul, the great missionary. What we read here really is his testimony to young Timothy as he speaks these words. He is writing from personal experience. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We praise God tonight that the chiefest of sinners can be saved. The Bible is full of examples of how the darkest, vilest, most despicable men have been wrought upon by the gospel and brought to the saving faith in Christ. Paul counted himself as such. I'm one of them. I'm one of the worst of sinners. I am the chiefest of sinners. The publican Zacchaeus, the wee man that climbed the tree to see Jesus. We think of his background. He was a tax collector. He didn't do his job honestly. He robbed his own people. He took money from them that he ought not to. He was a thief. He was a robber. But he got gloriously saved. We think of the demoniac of Gadara. That man whose life was overrun by the powers of darkness. And legion had possessed him. But he met the Lord. And Jesus delivered him. And he's brought to sit at the feet of Christ. Clothed in his right mind. A changed and a transformed man. Think of the woman of Samaria and the immoral background that she had come from. Into one marriage, out of another, into another, into another, and so forth. She had many husbands. Possibly she didn't marry these men. She had just lived with these men, but she got gloriously converted. We think of the Philippian jailer. We know that he was a hard man, and yet the Lord found him in mercy and saved him. We think of the dying thief upon the cross in the 11th hour. And he finds mercy. He finds Christ, the Savior, who was crucified beside him. These are all monuments of divine grace and favor. How God, in infinite love, reaches down into the depths of human depravity. And he plucks brands, these brands, from the burning. Wicked men, vile sinners, 
immoral, blasphemous, law-breaking sinners. And he saved them by grace. And you know the message tonight is that God can do the same for you. And I don't care how far gone into the world and sin you might be tonight. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what worldly uh, and sinful background that you come from. The Lord Jesus came to save and to save to the uttermost all that would come unto him by faith. And so we want to think about the chief of sinners tonight. And this little term might well refer to the deepest of sinners. There are men and women too who have gone deep into sin. They have grossly violated the laws of God and men. They have committed crimes that most decent people could not condone or excuse. They have violated the Ten Commandments more severely and deeply than most men. You take the the Sixth Commandment, for example, Thou shalt not kill. There are people in this world, and you know it, that they've broken that commandment, broken it wickedly. They've taken another man's life. Take the Seventh Commandment, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And there are many who have violated that law of Almighty God. The woman of Samaria that I mentioned is one such individual. She fits into this category. And such sinners are described by the Lord in Isaiah chapter 1, in that picture that's given to us in verse 6. From the sole of the foot, even onto the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores They have not been bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And that physical description is taken to use uh, to, to describe the spiritual condition of men in their sin. The picture here is one of depravity, total depravity, unsoundness, undoneness, and uncleanness in the sight of a holy God. The man who takes another man's life, murder, or takes another man's wife, adultery, stands before God in all his pitiful wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. We can say tonight that that man is deep in sin. They are not the outwardly upright and moral, the respectable religious people of society. There is a class of people who belong to that section of the community and though they are not saved, they are outwardly moral and righteous. They are faithful to their spouses. They respect the law. They regard the the sanctity of married life. They live outwardly moral lives. They keep the commandments outwardly as best as they can. They are family men. They are hardworking men. They are kind individuals. They're even churchgoers, and they might even read the Bible and pray every day. These are the Nicodemuses and the rich young rulers of this world, but they're still in their sin. And if they could but see it, they are just as depraved in the sight of God as other men who are outwardly vile and repugnant in their sinful practices. But for our purposes tonight, as we we comment here upon the chiefest of sinners. We're thinking about the deepest of sinners. 
We speak about those that are deep dyed in their sin. It's a thought that comes from Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And that picture that is given there, that color that is used, the color of scarlet, was a deep dyed color, and it represents those men and women in society who are deep into sin. Some of you, my friends, for years have perhaps turned your back upon the Lord, and you could be described tonight as a man or a woman with scarlet sin. You know, there's two sides. We've often said this, two sides of the broad road. The broad road is that description given by the Lord Jesus to describe those that are on the road to a lost eternity. But there's two sides to it. Some are walking on the, 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 the deep sins of life. And they're far away from God and they're, they're, they're deep into to wickedness and sin. And others are on the clean side of the broad road, but they're going on the same road. They're heading in the same direction. But we're thinking about the cheapest of sinners. And it might be those that are deepest into sin. This description, the chief of sinners, could also refer to the longest of sinners. And I think of those that have been walking without God for years and years and years, even those that have been cradled in the gospel, brought up in a Christian home, sent to Sunday school, sent to the children's meetings. They have been taught the things of God from their childhood. And they're now 30, 40, 50 years of age and even older and so for decades, literally, they have lived apart from grace, apart from salvation, apart from forgiveness. And though for some they have had ample opportunity to be reconciled to God, they have drifted on in their sin and in their Christ rejection. They've spent a long time trampling onto their feet the, the Savior's blood and His love and His mercy. They have ignored every sermon. They have ignored every witness that has been made to them. They have ignored every tract that has been put into their hand. They have ignored every Bible verse that they have learned. They've ignored every open air that they've passed by. And some of you have turned your back upon the Savior for years. How old are you now? Only you can maybe answer that. I don't know what your age is. How many years have you hardened your heart? How many years have you walked out through those doors if you've come to this church without the Savior? How many years have you shunned the gospel and rejected Christ? How many years have you said no to the Holy Ghost of God, no to Christ and no to salvation? If the truth be known, you've lost count. You might just be regarded as the chief of sinners because of the many years that you have despised the opportunities and refused to get right with God. As Daniel Whittle put it in his hymn, many summers you have wasted, ripened harvests you have seen, winter snows by spring have melted, yet you linger in your sin. You know, I think Nicodemus was such a man he meets Christ in John chapter 3. But Nicodemus came from that background where he had lived on and on 
for many years without salvation. Though he was religious, though he was a leader of religion, a prominent Pharisee of his day, though he went to the place of worship every Sabbath, never missed it, though he even taught others the scripture, yet he was a man without grace and a man without hope. And he didn't know Christ until he met him in John chapter 3. He lived all those years into old age without the Savior. And I, I think of many others that you and I know. I listened to a documentary on the radio just yesterday about a prison governor who was, who was murdered in our troubles about 40 years ago. He was a dear Christian man from, from what I could hear in the testimony given. There was a policeman who was one of the first on the scene. And an old man now, all these years later, by all accounts, and he spoke quite candidly about his personal non-existent faith and how that he got more comfort reading poems than he did reading the Bible. In fact, he said, I just don't read the Bible. It was a closed book for him, as it is for many people. My heart sank, I have to confess, my heart really sank within me. A sense of great sadness filled my soul as I thought about an old man heading towards eternity and he had no thoughts of God or thoughts of sin or heaven or hell. Indeed, his years of godlessness and disinterest and rejection could classify him as one of the chiefest of sinners. Longest in that pathway of rejecting the Lord. I wonder tonight, is that you? Am I speaking to someone in this meeting tonight and many summers you have wasted? You've turned your back upon the Lord for a long time. Many sermons you have ignored. And you're drifting on this very night, just drifting on every day without the Lord. Yes, the longest of sinners. And then, thirdly, this description might also describe the hardest of sinners. Men who have loved their sin, men who have hated God, they have resisted strenuously the things of the Lord, they have refused mercy often, and there's no turning them. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, there's no turning them, and their heart is hard before God. There is a term that describes such individuals, and it's gospel hardened. wonder have you heard that term before? Gospel hardened. They've listened to the gospel. Maybe way back in their earlier years, that message touched their heart. But they said no, and they, they hardened their heart against the Lord. And that was in their childhood and into adolescence and young manhood and womanhood, on up into maybe middle years. And every time they heard the gospel, they said no, and they just hardened their heart that little bit more. And so they became gospel hardened until they got to the place where they could sit in a meeting like this, in a gospel mission, and the word of God never really has an effect upon them any longer. They have no thought of the things of God. There's no concern there. And they're really hard in their heart. Their hearts are like stone. The Bible uses the term hard to describe many sinners. God speaks about men hardening their heart against him. Jesus asked 
the old Pharisees in Mark chapter 8 and verse 17. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Are you hardening your heart, he asked them. And God warned men about hardening their heart. And he said, harden not your heart. Whenever God speaks, whenever the Holy Spirit works in your heart, harden not your heart. It's a real condition. Beware of it. Because it happens. It happens in gospel services. It happens in gospel missions. I was reading this week from Proverbs chapter 1, and there's a few verses towards the end of the chapter that always challenge me. And they, they bring a sense of dread to my soul. Let me read just three verses. Proverbs 1 verse 23 through to 25. God says, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. So there's the call of God. Turn you. He wants you to turn from your sin. He wants you to turn to him. And it's filled with promise. He will give you the spirit. He will, he will change your life. He will make himself known his words to you. Verse 24. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Do you see what's happening here? God is calling, calling men to himself. He's giving his word, but men are setting it to the side, setting it as nothing. I just don't want to hear. I don't want to change my life. I don't want to get right with God. I don't want to become a Christian. What are these people doing? They're hardening their heart against God. Could they not be defined, therefore, as the chief of sinners because of what they're doing? Does anybody here fit this description? This is what you have been doing and doing for years. Well, I would say to you tonight, to tonight cease your hardening. Don't continue in that state any longer. Stop your disobedience. Throw down your arms of rebellion and come to Christ. That would be my desire. That would be my prayer for you tonight. I know a Savior that can deal with hard hearts. I know a mighty instrument that can crush the stony hearts of men. And, and that instrument's in my hand tonight. One of the descriptions given to the Bible, the Word of God in the Scriptures, is a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces and praise God for that kind of influence when a man comes beneath the influence of the gospel and he listens to the word of God proclaimed there is a power in the word of God that's like a hammer that breaks that hard heart within and breaks it in pieces may that happen tonight have we in this audience the chief of sinners you've wandered Far away from God. Perhaps as the hymn writer said. Now I am coming home. Will you come home? Will you come to Christ? Will you receive him? As your savior. This is Christmas time. We think of Christ coming into the world. As our savior. Paying the price there upon Calvary's cross. Because he loved us. Don't turn away from such love tonight. You come and receive him and he will receive you.
and he will make you his child and he will pardon all your sin. That's his guarantee. That's his promise. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's guarantee when you call tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the testimony of the great apostle here as he writes to young Timothy. How the Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul puts himself into that category of whom I am chief. And Lord, we could see ourselves there when we think of our own sin, when we think of our own wanderings from God, how sinful we are in the sight of a God who is so holy. Lord, we pray that you will open eyes, you will open hearts to the gospel. Help men and women, even in this meeting tonight and those that are listening in, to understand their need of a Savior. Help them to know that Christ loves them and died for them and is able to save them this very night. And may they seek the Lord and call upon his name. Hear this our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. 273 is the closing hymn. I hear thy welcome voice that calls me, Lord, to thee for cleansing in thy precious blood that flowed in Calvary. Have you heard that voice tonight? Has God been speaking to your heart? He's calling you, calling you for cleansing. He can deal with your sin. He can forgive you. He can pardon you. Will you say, I am coming, Lord, coming now to thee. Wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. What a prayer. If you make that prayer tonight, and God will hear it, and he will answer it, and he will make all things new. Let's stand to sing.
There's all kinds of people here tonight and we want to thank you sincerely for coming. And I know there are those that you're so familiar with the gospel and you know what you need to do and maybe there's others and you've got questions, you're not so familiar. We are here to answer your questions if we can. And if you want to speak to us after the meeting, I'll only be too glad to meet with you and talk to you. But don't go away without this evening. Almighty God and gracious Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this meeting and for a conscious sense of the presence of God. Oh Lord, be with us as we just leave this part of the service now, as we enjoy a time of fellowship and friendship together. Maybe others that will have to go on home. Lord, be with this congregation. For any who know thee not, bring them to the Savior. Bring them to Christ even this very moment. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.